Okay, who would say, I just heard the most amazing testimony, maybe of the year. Can I see your hand? I just heard the most amazing testimony, possibly of the year. Raise your hand really big. I just heard, that this, is the, this is the answer to the question, you're gonna raise your hand. I just heard the most amazing testimony right now, maybe of the year. Is that right? Okay. So, real quick, you, you already know you can do it in 30 seconds. Which neighbor is it? All right. Green mic. Okay, cool. I was hoping for this today. Um, so, a lot of what Jeff Bartell was talking about, about a call to missions is a call to preparation, is where I felt uh, God was talking to me because sometimes people, like me as well, prepare just to have enough to say versus prepare to hear what God is trying to tell you. And that's really, feel, I feel like, where God was talking to me in mission focus. Man. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, Blaze, were you calling out your buddy? Huh? Yeah. Who, who, what's your buddy's name? Danielle. Danielle. What? What? What did God? What did God give you? What? T tell us what you told her. Um. So, um, who's your real authority? Is it like God, or is it your family and your friends in your life? Um, serving where you are, even though you don't know, like, I don't know where I'm going to be in four months. So, like, not using that as an excuse to, like, wait until I know for sure, but to serve God where I'm at. Um, and and what, what was the answer to the first question about your real authority? Is it God or your family or? It's God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew that's what you meant, but yeah. I, I just want to make sure everybody had closure on that. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know. One of the things that um, I, I think I got out of Mission Focus this year was just like a whole ton of confirmation. Uh, it was almost like uh, Christmas just kept coming for me and for MVT. And so I wanna just maybe review the week just a little bit. And then um, we'll spend a little bit of time considering the scripture. And then we're gonna break early because you'll need to go to the restroom, get some more coffee, and I need everybody, do not go to fellowship, come right back here, try to beat everybody from the fellowships back here, that way you guys can get the good seats. Uh, we wanna make sure everybody knows uh, that we've got a new pastor, and uh, we wanna recognize our brothers and sisters from Costa Rica, and this is gonna be a real special time where we're gonna get the whole church family together. Uh, so we'll pack this place out and give glory to God in Jesus' name. All right, does that make sense? Everybody's got the game plan? Okay, so uh, I wanna particularly focus on uh, the evening sessions. And so if you would, grab your neighbor by the hand. Let's ask God for his help right now uh, to receive what he has for us today. Father, with all my heart, thank you for this week. Lord, thank you for how you have marvelously worked in not just our church, but in our fellowship. Lord, thank you. Uh, for the messages. Thank you for the, the relationships, the fellowship, uh, the time together. Uh, Lord, thank you for how you, have, how you have spoken to us. Lord, thank you for how you're calling us, uh, Lord, to not just serve you with our leftovers, but Lord, to consecrate, to dedicate our life to you. Lord, you're worthy. You're worthy of all glory, all honor, and all praise. And so, Lord, help us, give us insight for all of the ways that we need to submit and surrender to you all of our life. Uh, Lord, uh, you must have the preeminence in every area of our life. Uh, Lord, forgive our failings. Uh, Lord, please overlook 
our weaknesses. Lord, we humble ourselves and we cry out to you, God, be glorified in our lives. Uh, your mercies are new every day. Lord, by faith, Lord, through your grace, Lord, we're going to trust you to use us to your glory. And Lord, we will have fruit and reward at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, it will not be all loss uh, because we're going to take you at your word. We're going to apply it to our life and to our ministry. Lord, we're going to do the work that you call us to, Lord, by your grace. And so, Father, bless this time. Uh, Lord, help to purpose our heart as a local church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this is just a little bit of review and then not even really refocus as much as refining our focus here at MBT uh, based on what we heard this week. And so you remember Pastor Bartell talked about uh, the, the difference between called or commanded, okay? Called or commanded was Wednesday night's message. And what we heard Wednesday night was that all are invited to service, right? God invites every single one of us as his children to serve into his mission, amen? We've all received that invitation. We're all called to a work. And we saw that the call is to a work first, uh, location that, that isn't as important as vocation. That isn't as important as uh, our application to the ministry. We're called to a work. Uh, that is the emphasis. The location really in the big picture of things ultimately doesn't matter because wherever we are, we're supposed to be doing what God has called us to do. We're called to a work and that work has to begin right here at MBT. Okay. Where but here... I want to ask you, where but here is the mission field? You know, a lot of times people will get a romantic view of the ministry and, and uh, the way that we'll think about it is, is it'll get real once I, I am sent as a missionary. That's when it'll get real. Uh, that's when my romantic dreams of service to the Lord as the, as the lone warrior, as the stalwart soldier of Christ... Uh, when everybody's laying hands on me and praying over me and they send me out and, and uh, I go to another part of this planet to reproduce the biblical philosophy of ministry that I've learned here at MBT. Um, once I get there, that's when it's going to get real. And I want to tell you this morning that if that's how we're thinking, well, then our thinking is absolutely messed up. Turn to your neighbor and tell them today, today, it's on like Donkey Kong right? Today, right? It's getting real up in here today. In other words, right? You ought to, you ought to lay hands on your neighbor and tell them that, that God, this church, God's people, God's word, God's call over your life is to get involved in the work that he has for you today. I mean, if, if America today, modern day America isn't the mission field, well, then where you got to go to go find it? I mean, this place is jacked up. Uh, what we produce culturally, jacked up. What we produce socially, jacked up. What we produce politically, jacked up. What we produce, I mean, America is the flesh on display, isn't it? We are, everybody recognizes it. Everybody is saying it universally. America is a post-Christian nation. Well, so help us God by God's grace. We're going to do something about that. Amen. I mean, we need to preach the gospel to every creature. And so if we're going to send you somewhere over there, I don't know where over there is or what you might think over there is, but until you're doing 
what you're supposed to be doing in obedience to the Lord's command here, why are we going to send you there? If we're not functioning as missionaries to our schools, if we're not functioning as missionaries, right, to our coworkers, to our next door neighbor, if we're not getting the same heart with the same desire, reaching out to them in love, the love of Jesus Christ with the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we're not reaching out to them in faith that God has called us to a work to preach the gospel to every creature, well, if we're not going to do that here, I got news for you. When you get sent over there and it gets real, you're going to just find yourself spinning your wheels. You'll have a thousand things to do and the rubber's never going to meet the road in terms of the mission. How do I know this? Because I watch missionaries waste time and money all over the world. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing first, but secondly, they don't care to do the mission because they didn't care in their local church, so they don't care on the field. And so they walk around as busybodies, right? Taking pictures and posting things on Facebook, but they're not making disciples. I got news for you. If you're not making disciples in Kansas City, you're not gonna make, you're not gonna make disciples in Canada or India, Germany. You're not gonna make disciples in Kazakhstan. I mean, you're just not gonna do it. Where but here is the mission field. Okay, it's a wonderful thing. When you come to the place where you realize that God has you exactly where he wants you, how do I know that? How do I know that God has you exactly where he wants you? Because I'm looking at you, right? That's how I know. Because God has you here. He doesn't have you there. God has you here. Where but here is the mission field. This is the place. When you recognize that God has called you, it's not about place, it's about work. It's about the vocation. If you know that you're, you're called, if you know you're the chosen, it's because you're engaging. Okay, so we spent this week trying to put some practical tools on missions, local missions to all of our students. And what we did with the junior high and the high school is we said, hey, you, you know, you guys know something, you ought to be able to say something. You guys, you're learning the word of God for yourself. You need to start trusting the Lord, get full of faith to begin communicating the things of God to the lost. And so we talked about an approach to evangelism in the student ministry. And we're going to, instead of taking a minute to share the gospel, instead of just passing out a track, which we want to do that, right, sanctify Right, the word of God, sanctify the reason of hope, sanctify the gospel in your heart so that whenever an opportunity comes up to share the gospel, you can bust that down in a very clear, in a very concise way in a minute or two. Uh, we want to be able to do that. We want to be able to proclaim our faith whenever we have a small opportunity. But instead of just passing out tracts, what we want to trust the Lord to do is build relationships with lost, with the lost world. We want to genuinely, just like uh, we're doing on the college campuses. We ought to do this in every area of our life. We ought to be purpose. We ought to recognize God's called us as a missionary right where he has us. That means we're going to build relationships with the lost world. And the goal is genuinely to be their friend. And then our faith says we're going to trust the Lord. The byproduct uh, of our faith says we're going to have an open door with the lost. We're gonna be able to get God's word open with the lost and share with them the claims of the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. Okay, this is something that anybody can do. You can make a friend with a lost person. You can build a relationship with someone that needs Jesus. And then what we're doing is we're trusting the Lord to start Bible studies with our friends. Does that make sense? That's pretty simple, isn't it? 
uh, to start Bible studies with our friends. And so what we do is we say, hey, Lord, give me somebody. Lord, you know who needs the gospel. You know who will be receptive to receiving your word. And so, Lord, help me, guide me, order my steps. Lord, I know what your word says. You want to use me to do this. And so by faith, I'm just going to trust you for it. Guess what? If you are full of faith, if you're in obedience to God's word, you know what God's going to do uh, for you with one of your lost friends? You know what's going to happen? God is going to make it so that you can get the word of God open with them. And you won't just have a minute or two to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Instead of taking five minutes to give the gospel, take five weeks. Have Bible study every week for five weeks. Take 10 weeks. Take five months and go from Genesis to Jesus. Right? Go from Genesis to the gospel of John. Go from creation to the person, the finished work, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? What are you doing? You're just saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to just trust you to get the word open. And I don't need to panic about a Bible study because, Lord, you're going to reveal your truth to my lost friend. You're going to reveal the, 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 the purpose that you have for man. You're going to reveal the serious deadliness of sin. You're going to reveal to the lost your solution through the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ. You're going to give me the opportunity to be able to share them the gospel in a very comprehensive, in a very biblical way. A lot of times what happens in in the moment evangelism, a lot of people will talk about the terms of salvation and then they'll, they'll, you know, to try to close the deal, it's like, hey, if you'll just pray this prayer with me. How many believe that a prayer can actually save you? See, only Christ can save you. A lot of people get, pray, I mean, get saved while praying a prayer, right? You can, you can get saved while praying a prayer, but the prayer does not save you, does it? Right? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're saved by what? Grace through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what happens is in the moment we're trying to lead somebody to Christ and say, hey, if you want to be saved, just pray along with me. And sometimes what will happen is, is people will think, well, okay, I want to get saved. And if I pray this prayer with this person, then I get to go to heaven. Well, if you're trusting in the few words that you said with this very sincere, very zealous believer... If you're trusting in that to get you to heaven, I got news for you. You may know some things about salvation up here, but until you're believing on the finished work of Jesus Christ, until that is what your life, your future, your eternity, the seriousness of your sin, right? The wages of your sin, until that is being accomplished by the finished work of Christ at Calvary. Ooh, a lot of it. I mean, the devils believe. They know the truth, but they don't believe on it. They're not submitted to it. See, for me, whenever I was 12 years old, I finally came to the place where I said, okay, God, I know I'm a sinner and there's nothing I can do to make this right. But Lord, I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that Christ is God in the flesh. I believe that he lived a perfect and sinless life. I believe that my, 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 my pride, my, my lust, my covetousness, right, my emotional sin, my sexual sin, my, I mean, just name it. I believe all of that is an affront to your righteousness. And I believe that my wickedness deserves an eternal torment in a fire. I mean, literally a lake of fire. I believe that, I know that. Uh, but Lord, I know for a fact that Christ died for my sin. He became, he did none of it, but he became my sin at the cross of Calvary. And that your wrath over my wickedness was poured out on the person of Jesus Christ. I believe that. And I know that Jesus gave his life so that I could have his. And so, Lord, I just, best I know how, 
come into my heart and my life, save me, the blood of Christ that was shed at Calvary, wash my sin away. I'll never be good enough. I'll never do enough right. I'll never be smart enough. I'll never, I'll for sure never be good looking enough. I'm just never gonna be enough to be able to get access to eternity with you. But I believe Jesus is enough. And I'm believing on him. I'm putting all my eggs, the whole of my life, in the Jesus basket. <laughs> Lord, take my life. I wasn't doing anything good with it. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and life. Save me. Have mercy on me, a sinner. You know what God did? God saved me. He did it. He did it all. And my salvation isn't based on how I feel, what I'm thinking moment to moment. My salvation is based on what the Word of God says Jesus did. Amen? That is an incredible thing. Okay, so whenever you can take somebody from Genesis and then you just, you just walk them through the Scripture in weekly Bible studies or maybe daily Bible studies, uh, take some time to let the Word of God reveal the person and the plan of salvation. Okay, so that's what our kids are doing. They're, 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 they're getting a game plan for evangelism called Creation to Christ and to do it through a Bible study method called the Discovery Bible Method. Okay, so what we're talking about here is we just get the Word of God open and our faith isn't in our ability to be awesome in explaining the Word of God. Our faith is in the Word of God's ability to separate a man from himself. Our, our faith is in the ability of the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Scripture into the eyes of the unbeliever. So we're just praying, Lord, would you bind Satan in this person's life? Lord, would you open their eyes so that they can see the light of your word? Lord, would you pour out your spirit in, in conviction? Lord, reveal sin. Reveal the need of a savior to this lost person that I love with all my heart. God, I know you love them more than I do, but this person is now my friend and I'm, with all my heart, I wanna see them come to the saving grace and faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, please save them. And it won't be through my work, it'll be through your work and your word. Okay, and so we just, according to your faith be it unto you, I believe with all my heart, all I gotta do is get the Bible open. And if you'll get eyes on it with me, God's gonna talk to you. I believe that. Do you believe that? How many actually believe that? If you could just get the Bible open with someone and if they'll just start considering it, just start taking it seriously with you that God will speak to this person. Just double checking code blaze. He's a pastor. Lord, I want to make sure he believes that. Okay. He, the word of God does the work. I don't have to be awesome. The word of God is awesome. All we got to do is just get eyes on it together and it's light will open up our understanding. We'll be able to see the direction that we're heading and it'll change lives. The book, this book, the Word of God is the only book on the planet that when you read it, it starts reading you. That whenever you begin to study it and take it apart, it takes you apart from the inside out and puts you back together like a new creature. It's incredible. So our students, we're trusting the Lord for them to get full of faith and to trust God to build relationships with the lost, to get his word open with somebody that needs to believe. Okay, so I wanna give you the same challenge. You say, well, I'll never be a foreign missionary. This isn't that serious a deal for me. You know what, you're gonna stand before the creator. You're gonna give an account. God has, this is what we saw Wednesday night, God has called you. Will you respond to the call? Because if you're gonna ever be a missionary, today is the day to do it. Today is the day to start praying for the lost and trusting the Lord to use you to bring the light of the gospel, to use you to not only show them the way to salvation, but also to disciple them in the faith. Thursday night, we asked the question, 
Have you been proven or are you being passive? All of us, because God has called us, that means we need to know the book. We need to do the work to prepare ourselves for the ministry. And this is what Pastor Jeff said. He says, your approval from God for vocational ministry requires study, work, and discernment. You have to first be proven in the word. You gotta study to show yourself approved unto God. Second Timothy 2.15 says, you must be a workman in the word. You are, I mean, this is what the Bible says, you're a steward of the mysteries of God. A steward of the mysteries of God. In second, uh, uh, the, the, the fourth chapter, Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, he says, moreover of stewards, it is required that a man be found what? Faithful. You got to be faithful to study the word of God. Be like Samuel. Let none of it fall to the ground. You got to study the word of God. That's why you need to be discipled. That's why you need to go through D2. That's why you need LFBI. You need LFBI because you need to know your Bible. Did we mention that enrollment is open right now? Enrollment is open. You can go to LFBI.org. You can enroll today and begin to study, to learn. Like, you guys, did you hear Tom Brockmeyer's testimony? That he was going to now be able to stand, finally. He's going to be able to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and say, I have studied your book, I have studied your Bible, I have studied your word from cover to cover. Man, what an awesome thing to know that you have been faithful to get a handle on the sword of the Lord. So you want to be proven in the work. Do the work in the word. Uh, you need LFBI because you need to know your Bible. That ought to be an end game. That ought to be an ultimate goal. Now, you got to be proven in the word, but you also got to be proven in the work. Having a degree, if you go through LFBI, you're going to get an Associates of Divinity. It's an Associates degree. Um, I will say this. If you get an Associates degree through LFBI, you are going to know your Bible better than uh, a, a graduate at the bachelor level or the master's level, somebody that would graduate from, say, Moody Bible Institute. We have a student in our Bible school, and if I remember correctly, he just got his master's from Moody. Uh, he went to Bible college at Moody, and uh, he didn't learn his Bible at Bible college. He, is, uh, he just finished, he's an NBA basketball player. Um, he just finished his first semester at uh, LFBI, and uh, his word to his pastor was, is, oh my goodness, I can't believe what I'm getting in the Bible school. This is what I thought I would get when I signed up to Moody Bible Institute. But we didn't learn the Bible there, we just learned a lot of stuff about the church and about methodologies and management and church growth and you know, how, to, how to move and motivate people. We didn't learn the Bible. He says, I, he's, this, guy, this guy's like a, a kid in a candy shop. He can't believe what he's learning in the Word of God. So you're going to know your Bible with the associate's degree. But i got to tell you something. That does not make you a leader. Just because you graduate from LFBI, somebody's not going to hand you a pulpit and say, oh, wow us now with your awesome knowledge. Lead us with your, mildly, your, your, your mighty studliness. We need it. We've been waiting for you for so long. Come glow and be awesome in our presence. That's not how it works. You lead when you're qualified to lead, not because you graduated and got a degree from some lame Bible school. Ooh, did I make a connection with, with LFBI and lame? It can be. It can be. You can learn. Everything will teach you at LFBI, and it can be a joke. And it happens. I say that because it happens. 
People think they get a degree, they go through our Bible school, and now everybody ought to listen, everybody ought to give them a place in a pulpit. Guess what? You lead when you're qualified, not because you graduate or get a degree, but because you're proven faithful in the work of the Lord. See, your global ministry, your global service starts at home. And the only thing that hinders you in terms of ministry leadership is, guess what? What do you think is the one thing that will hinder you in ministry leadership? Miles doesn't want me leading anything. He's holding me back. The man's holding me down. (laughs) I've been doing my dead level best to make sure we're making disciples, training, equipping, and we want to send a ton of leaders to multiply ministry around the world. The only thing that will hinder you in ministry is you. That's what will hinder you. See, there's always room for more leadership. We always want more leadership. There are always more visitors that come to this church every week than we have the capacity to grab and love and build relationship with, to incorporate into who we are, where we're going and what we're doing. There's always more that are coming in than we actually effectively grab and begin to lead to Christ and disciple and train and equip. There's always room for more leadership. We need more leadership. So get your Bible open. Start in the lobby. Be a missionary to the lobby of our church. Get your Bible open with the lost and lead them to Christ. Grab a new visitor, a new believer here at MBT and lead them to maturity in Christ. Be faithful today. Today. I mean, if some of you, you had a mind for ministry, you're going to make sure that you meet somebody that you've never met. And you're going to find out who they are with the goal of loving them, being their friend. And trusting the Lord to use you to edify them. Because that's your job, Ephesians chapter 4. If you're a member here, you have a responsibility to build up the saints that attend here. So if, it's, if the lost are coming, lead them to Christ. If it's a brother or sister, edify them, build them up. Be a part of faithful leadership in their life. Be faithful in fellowship. Be faithful in discipleship. Be faithful in ministry service. And then the next thing you know, your gifts, your calling will make room for you. Pretty soon, we're going to need you in more and more leadership roles. We're going to need you in more and more ministry responsibility. Next thing you know, we'll be ordaining you to, to, as a pastor, as a missionary. We're going to have to have you to help us reproduce this ministry in some capacity. We need that. I need that. Your leadership means one less person needing me when I'm out of butter. Most of you don't know what I'm talking about. Miles has lost it. He's talking gibberish. Okay, so the old timers know what I'm talking about. A pastor is like a tub of butter. Okay, I didn't know if you knew that. That's what it is. A pastor is like a tub of butter. And see, that tub of butter will only cover just so many pieces of bread, and then the butter is it's gone. It's out, right? So what we need to do is we need to get in the butter-making business. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, your butter, man. Your butter. We got to get in the butter making business. We need growing leadership. We need a growing pastoral capacity to cover the needs of a growing ministry. Okay, and then Friday night, the question was sent out or skipped out? Sent out or skipped out? And Pastor Bartell was talking about the value of the body. And can you trust God to work through pastoral Leadership. Can you trust God to work through the priesthood of the body of Christ? Uh, he talked about the idea that most people, when they serve in ministry, they end up just doing what they want to do, 
they, because they want to do what they want to do, then most of the time the way it works in our churches is that ends up magically being the call of God on a person's life. You know, I want to be a missionary to some place and some nation. And oh, yeah, see, I think because that's what I want, that's what God's calling me to do. And Jeff's point was, is that no, it's not, missions isn't about you getting to go where you want to go. It's about being willing to submit to going where you're sent to. Okay, so that takes a ton of faith, doesn't it? And yet that's exactly what we see in scripture, is that we go to where we're sent and we do what needs to be done in the location that we're sent to. Okay, so grab your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Here is another example of this. Paul tells the church at Thessalonica uh, about how they're on his heart and he needs to make sure they're okay. Verse 1, 1 Thessalonians 3. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother, and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Okay, why did they send Timotheus? Well, because he was born again. He was their brother. He was proven in ministry. He was a minister of God. He knew the word of God. He knew a biblical philosophy of ministry and our fellow laborer. He was faithful in the work. He was a fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Why did they send him? Because the church needed to be established and comforted concerning the faith, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Okay, so what made Tim then the man that Paul needed to send? Okay, we get an incredible insight in Philippians chapter 2. And I'm praying that Philippians chapter 2 is in the process of describing you. Okay, you may not be like this right now, but oh man, I know my Bible. Romans chapter 8 says that God is working all things together for your good. And the end game, the end goal is to see you transformed. To see you conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'll allow this process to take place... If you won't be conformed to the world, but if you allow yourself to, as, as, the, as the things that are happening in your life, if you'll let God work them all together for your good, because you love him and you're called by his name, right? You're the called of God, the, the, the called of the Lord Jesus Christ, then that you'll be this process of being transformed by the renewing of your mind and the word of God. All of that's going to conform you to the image. It's going to conform you as a minister of Jesus Christ. So here it is. This is... This is Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through really, I mean, you could go all the way down to verse 30. We won't have time to look at Epaphroditus, but I want us to at least look at Timothy. I'm praying that, that, first, uh, that Philippians chapter 2 is in the process of describing you. What made Timothy the man to send whenever the church needed to be comforted, right? Whenever the church needed to, to grow, be established in their faith. Philippians 2.19 says, but I trust the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you. There's a, so at first there's a need we saw in Thessalonica. Now we see that there was also a need in, in, in Philippi. And Tim is the man for the job. Why? That I may know that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Paul says, I don't have anybody else that has my heart for you like Timothy has my heart for you. 
Timothy is like-minded. He will naturally care for your state. In other words, life in ministry isn't about what Timothy gets for himself. It's about how Tim can invest the love of God, the word of God. It's how Tim can invest his life into the lives of others. I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your stake, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him, that as a son with a father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. Okay, so I know that you have a need. I know you need to be comforted, and I know you need to be established concerning your faith. I know, in the case of the church at Philippi, their state needed to be cared for. Uh, they needed somebody like Timothy, who was not self-obsessed, self-focused in ministry, but had Paul's heart, had Christ's heart for his church. See, this has always been the problem, is we get too many people in the church that want to be self-serving, they want to be big shots. They're full of pride versus fathers who know how to lay down their life for a bride, for children, right? We've got too many big shots in ministry leadership versus fathers in humble service. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 17, Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons I warn you, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, be followers of me. For this cause, here it is again. <laughs> For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son. This is somebody I've discipled in the faith. He is like no other man. I have no other man like-minded. He doesn't seek his own, he seeks Christ. He says, I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall establish you and comfort you concerning your faith, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. There is a form of sound words that we need to hold on to. There are some traditions that need to be taught, the scripture says. In other words, you need to know good doctrine. Right? You need to know good doctrine. Why? Because we've read the Bible, Ephesians chapter 4 the world is full of the winds of what kind of doctrine? If you need to know good doctrine, it's because what's out in the world? Bad doctrine, false doctrine, right? Confusion versus faith. Okay, so pastors need to train up faithful ministers, elder men, elder women, who will faithfully teach what is being taught from this pulpit. Why? Because the church needs it. <laughs> Timothy was Paul's disciple. But he was also a man after Paul's own heart. He had a father's heart for Christ's bride, for the children that were birthed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, instructors, they like to have the preeminence. Instructors like to hear things like, that was the best message I've ever heard in my life. Well, you know, praise the Lord. You know, I mean, they're just, they love to have, like Pastor Mark said, if you were here Saturday in the mission school, they just love to have the preeminence. They love to have recognition for their ability, for how well-spoken they are, for how brilliantly they can turn a phrase. Man, what we need are people that just have a heart for God and for God's people, that are willing to pour their lives in love, who are just genuinely willing to take people into their heart and love them 
love them enough to hold them accountable, to hold them to God's truth. So you got all these people who are provisional. They come in and they'll say, hey, you know, I want to be a part of what you're doing as long as you don't make me look at my life too closely, as long as you don't hold me accountable to what the Bible actually says, if you'll just let me come in and be a part of your life and have a form of godliness but no reality, uh, we're going to get along just fine. Guess what? As for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. We don't have to like what the book says, but we need to love it and submit to it. (laughs) Does that make sense? We need to subordinate. We need to surrender our lives to the Word of God. We need fathers who won't give kids what they want. We need fathers who will give brothers and sisters in Christ what they need. We need people to do the hard work of spiritual parenting. And this was Timothy. Timothy was someone that Paul kept sending to places and people of need. Why? Because he was proven, right? Timothy knew he was called, and so he did the work in the Word. I mean, as a young man, Paul's advice to him was, let no man despise your youth. Timothy did the work in the Word, and he was qualified because he was faithful in his service. And he was someone that Paul knew he could send to get a job done, and the job would get done. Timothy could speak on Paul's behalf. Why? Because Paul knew him. Timothy was proven. So I'm with Paul. I'm looking for men and women who are like-minded, that aren't as passionate about being the man, being in charge as they're overcome for God's people, overcome with love for God's people, overcome with the desire to see God's people grow in grace, to be established and comforted concerning their faith. I'm looking for people who are on fire for Jesus and are proven in ministry. But I'm looking for people who recognize their calling. And they recognize that God did not call them to be awesome, but God called them to be humble, but full of faith. To be humble, but obedient. To be humble, but in faith and obedience, be the ministers of the gospel that God has called them to. Jeff mentioned this on Wednesday night. This is one of the theme verses for our church. I wanna invite you to 1 Corinthians chapter one again. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, one more time. Verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren. Do you see your calling? Do you believe that God's called you? Do you believe that God's called everyone that's born again believer? Well, who does God call? Well, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are. So what happens is a lot of times people will come into the church and they'll start growing in ministry. Or maybe uh, you're very mature. You've come from another ministry. Um, We didn't win you to Christ in Midtown and disciple you. Uh, You were already one to Christ and you already knew the word of God for yourself whenever you came to MBT. The temptation is going to be to, because Satan loves division, (laughs) um, the temptation is going to be to be critical versus surrendered. Um, Satan will always give you a reason to not just, to, to, to keep you from surrendering your life to the mission in a local church. Um, because he wants to use every member to sow division in the body of Christ. He doesn't want us to be unified in our vision or our ministry. And so what he'll do is he'll make sure that you see everything that we do wrong. And I've mentioned this before uh, in, our, in our services. You may be able to find, you may be able to generate a list of 50 things that are wrong with the church. And um, 
you know, I promise you, at least half of those things that you generate are actually going to be a list describing what's wrong with you. Um, I have learned this over time. It's very interesting. But let's just say you're dead on, okay? You found 50 things that are wrong with this church. Well, you bring your list. I'll bring mine. I can show you a thousand things that are wrong with this church, right? Uh, you think you have insight into some areas where we're weak, where we're not hitting the mark? I promise you I've got more, okay? Uh, that, those failings don't stop me from loving you and loving who you are and what God has called you to. And if there's any way or anything that I can do to help you move forward in faith, to establish you and comfort you concerning your faith, I want to do it. Right? I want to be a father. I want to be a nurse. Right? I want to be a helper and a comforter. I want to be someone that will help you to see God is worthy to be glorified. That means the whole of our life needs to be surrendered to him. See, I'm looking for people who have that heart to say, you know what? I'm not awesome. And I sure see God's people aren't awesome. But I love Christ's bride. I love the church. I love Midtown Baptist Temple. And I want to be a part of seeing God's people in this place get everything that they need to be successful in the mission because we got to be rich at the judgment seat of Christ. we got to trust that there will be reward at the judgment seat of Christ because that's how Christ will be glorified. Does this make sense to you, brothers and sisters? See, God chooses weak and foolish people to get the work done. So if you come in here and you look at MBT and you say, man, there's a lot wrong in this place. Man, you came to the right place then because that means... I won't be glorified, and I'm sorry to burst your, you won't be glorified. I don't get to be, you don't get to be awesome, but God is awesome. Why does God choose people like us? Verse 29, so no flesh will glory in his presence. But ye, watch this, verse 30, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who is, look at this, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Man, anybody that has made all of that in the person of Jesus Christ, they're not full of themselves. They're full of gratefulness. They're full of humility. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. So let me give you a couple of points for prayer, and then we're going to take a break. A couple of points for prayer, and then we're going to take a break. Okay, number one, our MBT ministry. We need to be praying. That as a church, as a local church, we will continue full of faith. We need to continue here full of faith. We ought to come off of mission focus with a renewed determination that we're going to build relationships with the lost. God has called us, each and every one of us, to be a missionary. And whatever excuse you think you have for why you can't be a missionary right where God has you, that is a lie of the devil. It is deception. It is a smokescreen out of the very pit of hell. Because Satan wants to give you a thousand excuses not to count for Christ. Don't listen to that trash. Brothers and sisters, get full of faith. You know, according to your faith, it'll be unto you. If you believe that you can be, if you, can, if you believe that you can be and love the lost, be a friend to the lost, if you believe that you can be a friend to them, that you can love them, build a relationship with them, if you believe that God will give you an open door of utterance, guess what? This is the will of God, and, and if you're full of faith in the will of God, then according to your faith, be it unto you. God wants to use you, not the person sitting next to you. So you can tell that to your neighbor. It's me that God wants to use. Some of you don't believe me. That's why you're not saying it. Mm. Okay, I'm praying for you. 
We need to stay full of faith here to win souls, make disciples, because we have to trust the Lord for a strong sending church. Okay, if MBT comes apart at the seams, what's that going to do to the churches that we're supporting and planting, to the missionaries and pastors that we're sending? We've got to trust God for a strong sending church that has the standing on the certainty of God's truth, the certainty of the words of truth, that has a faith-based view of the word of God and the work of God, that's all about winning souls and making disciples and, and training and equipping leaders and sending them. Uh, we got to trust God for a model church at MBT. And that will only happen by God's grace because guess what? We're not qualified to do that, are we? Who are we? Not wise, not mighty, not noble. I'm like the biggest mutt you ever met. And I grew up in Southwest Missouri. I am a bona fide hillbilly, okay? Not noble, uh, foolish, weak, base, despised, and nothing. Do you see that? I counted eight. Did you count eight despicable things, eight low things in that passage? Uh, I own it in Jesus' name. You know what this does? This qualifies us. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're nothing. <laughs> but God in you is awesome. <laughs> uh, you really enjoy that. Man, we got a way to go. God is calling us to double down in Midtown, okay, right? So we need to double down, double down in Midtown. We got to get down in Midtown. There's, some, there's, a, like a, there's a catchphrase there that we got to work on. Getting down in Midtown. Be a part of a team that catches, trains, and releases. Get jobs that allow you to travel and support those that we're sending out, right? So that you can go with our missionaries and pastors to encourage them, to support them, to serve them in the field. Get the jobs that allow you to jump in with FOI. Get the jobs that allow you to start a Bible study in your neighborhood. Right? You are a missionary. Start acting like it. Start living like it. Trust God to use you right here because if we don't have it right here, then we've got nothing worth multiplying around the world. So that's the first thing that we need to be praying about. Number two, we need to send key men to key cities with key tools. Key men with key tools to key cities. That's what we got to do. What God has given us in our discipleship ministry, um, it is amazing. It's the singular thing that changed my life outside of my salvation. We need it. FOI is a key tool. Uh, we had a young man from one of the African nations that starts with a Z. Was it Zimbabwe? Oh, it was Tanzania? Yeah. Tanzania? Yeah. yeah. Um, for, first Sunday was our birthday party. And uh, he was blown away. We were just, man, we were just rocking out in Jesus' name. We were having a good time at our birthday party. And this kid was just new international student, first time here. And uh, he goes, this is amazing. He goes, this is so amazing. He says, he says I'm from Tanzania. Thank you. I'm from Tanzania. And uh, did you know that uh, I'm only going to be here for just a, just a little bit of time, but uh, you could teach me about this, you could train me in this, and then I can go and I can reproduce what you're doing here in Tanzania. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, we, this is something that could be done. And I'm like, man, that is a great idea. 
That's brilliant. Man, I, and I told him, I said, dude, I like how you're thinking. Uh, yeah, so keep coming. Well, he kept coming, and, and uh, um, somebody led him to Christ. Somebody in FOI led him to Christ. And, and um, a few weeks later, he, he kept coming, but a few, few weeks later, I run into him. And at that time, I remembered where he was from. Um, I, I saw him come. I couldn't remember his name, typical. I go, hey, Tanzania. <laughs> and uh, he looks up at me, and I'm like, I remember you. You're the dude that's going to reproduce all of this in Tanzania. And he just goes like this. And just smiles. I watched that cat get baptized 30 minutes later. It was awesome. You know, complete change. You know what? We need to pray for, what's Tanzania's name? Brian. Brian. We need to pray for Brian. <laughs> uh, this is a precious brother, man. I mean, he is becoming a mighty man of God. It's just wonderful to watch how God is working in this. I mean, he's just a brilliant young man. Uh, and yet, after the flesh, come on, who is he? You think he's going to be able to turn Tanzania upside down? with the gospel of Jesus Christ by his brilliance, his ability, his ideas. Are you kidding me? But man, an almighty God has taken over his life. And with him, all things are possible. Amen? I'm so full of faith for Brian. I know that God is doing an incredible work in his life. And by God's grace, so help us God. I mean, whatever the Lord wills, he's the king, right? But by his grace, so help us by faith, he will... He will reproduce this ministry in Tanzania. We need to trust the Lord for that, to, to take discipleship and FOI, key tools, to key college towns, okay? There are places where international students are coming in droves. We ought to trust the Lord to go there. Um, I, I keep thinking about it. You guys remember Where's Waldo? You remember Where's Waldo? Does anybody, we all remember that, right? I always thought it was obnoxious, but now I see the genius of it. We need to be looking for Waldo everywhere we go. Okay, now look at this. This is, and we could, we could actually, if we did a little bit of homework, we could actually come up with longer lists than this. But this is five generations of discipleship. Um, it is an amazing thing. So Dave Hill, he's a pastor at Harvest, discipled Kenny Morgan back when he was at the temple, Baptist Temple in Kansas City Baptist Temple. Well, Kenny Morgan was with me in the checkpoint, the college, I was a college and young adult pastor at KCBT and uh, now Graceway, but Kenny was with me and, and Eliseo came over just to learn the Bible. Okay, Eliseo, when I first met him, he was a janitor at the church and now he was just there so he could just soak up some Bible. And today, he's planning a church in Madrid, praise the Lord. How awesome is that? So Kenny discipled Eliseo. Man, Eliseo just kept getting more and more excited about God and the things of God. He got excited about good doctrine. He got excited about the ministry of discipleship. Started serving with his father. But before he left, he discipled Andrew Ong. Andrew Ong was this new sensation from the Malaysian nation. And um, everybody just like, he was just, his eyes were this big around and he was just so excited to be there. He couldn't believe that there were people that were this serious about the Bible. And, and so he soaked up the word of God from Eliseo. Right? Then God brought, God brought uh, uh, Simon. You guys remember when God brought Simon to MBT? Man, sister, you have been nothing but a blessing to me, to this church. Uh, we love you so much, sister. Okay, she got burdened for her brother. And he came over. And then Mankit, uh, you weren't here. You were here no time. And then you professed Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so now Andrew has discipled Mankit. Man, Kit, where's your disciple? Is he in the room today? 
So there, okay, so Chance, you didn't make the, the photo. That's a bummer. We're going to Photoshop you in. We're going to Photoshop you in at the, oh, stand up, Chance. So now Mankit is discipling Chance. So there's your sixth generation. Okay, so, so, so it, this works because of the three at the end here, okay? Um, instead of where's Waldo, we need, our motto needs to be where's Mankit? Where's Mankit? I, I need, we got to go find Mankit. Uh, Mankit is in, <laughs> yeah, I know you're here, but, but Mankit's everywhere, like Waldo, okay? Uh, Mankit is in places like Boston. Mankit is in places like the University in Miami, uh, University in Chicago. Mankit, I mean, where are the places that Mankit's coming? Where are the places that Brian is attending? We got to go find Brian. You know, you'll build a relationship with a couple hundred international students before you find a Mankit. Um, but man, these guys go back to places like China or Vietnam or Tanzania. And if they can go back with the gospel of Jesus Christ and a biblical philosophy of ministry, if they can go back with LFBI, um, brothers and sisters, it's going to be an exciting thing if the Lord tarries over the next couple decades to watch biblical ministry reproduce all around the world. Okay, that's going to take a lot of sacrifice, isn't it? And it's going to take a lot of coordinated work, isn't it? And when it's time for you to go, are you going to be ready? Are you going to have your finances in order? Or is your financial life going to be a joke? Are you going to be married to somebody that is on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you going to be married to some monster or some witch? Are you going to get entangled with the cares and the affairs of this world? Are you going to be ready to go when it's time to send you? Or are you going to already have squandered, wasted your life on just making yourself happy in this world? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, our life has to be all about the mission. Whatsoever we do, it's got to be to the glory of God. Amen. And Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. That means we got to go grab the nations. You say, well, we're just one local church, or we're just one little fellowship of churches. Twelve turned the world upside down in one generation. And they didn't have airplanes. They didn't have trains. They didn't have cars. Nobody had scooters. They had feet and ships. Come on. We are going to be so ashamed when we see them at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm embarrassed thinking about it. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I'm not...